This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today we're in here with one of the biggest Kendama gods alive. The one and only Bonds. How you living, man? Big chilling, man. Stoked to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you in here, man. It's been a while since I did a Kendama podcast. I I did one... Years ago, when I was first getting into it with uh, uh, Reed and uh, Max and Cooper Eddy. Yep, the homies. Which we haven't done one since, which is kind of sad when you think about it, just because when I think back to the questions I was asking during that, it was probably like mega, mega basic. Like, <laughs> yeah, you were pretty new in the scene then. Super. I was like <laughs> still asking questions like, so is it is it kind of like skateboarding to you where, you know, you're, you're, you're learning things and it feels good? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my questions were like that basic, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, man. So, um, okay. I'm, I'm very interested because I've hung out with you and talked to you so much about Kendama over the years. Let's let's go back in time and just tell me about your first interaction with it, how you first came to see it. Yeah, so basically the first time I remember it extremely vividly, I was uh, going over to my friend's house for a party and I remember stepping out of the car and like looking up to the house and they had, had a, this window, this clear shot into the living room. And I saw someone playing in the living room. I stopped in my tracks right there. I was like, what the hell is this person doing in there? And like, you're how old? I was 18, just graduated high school. Okay. I was, yeah, just celebrating graduation. And I saw it and my mind was blown. I was like, what is this thing? Ran inside immediately straight to that person, picked it up. And like, that was a wrap. I played all night long that night. Next morning, ordered one and just fully in from that moment and you just knew what to do with it like you you kind of like knew what was possible right away or what kind of tricks were you gravitating towards right away i mean to an extent i used to always play hacky sack like really hardcore right that's what you told me is that you're unbelievably good at hacky sack and i never would have made that connection but it does make a lot of sense because there's a lot of like going up and down and like using that space to be able to do complex stuff with it right Yeah, totally so i kind of got the feel of like just the general flow right away the first time i saw it get onto the spike my mind was blown i was like how could it balance i didn't realize there was a hole in the ball and like mm. it was just mind-blowing for me but then i saw that and i was like this is the coolest coolest thing ever like i need one i'm gonna order one and yeah, that's what happened. That's a beautiful thing. So, uh, okay, so you, you've like described, well, okay, so what was there out there for you to learn Kendama based on? Like, did you even know about any videos or were there videos at yeah, the time? Yeah, I had really? no idea there was even people making videos. There was at the time a little bit going on. Uh, Colin Sander and people were making videos back then. And did you figure that out right and away? I figured it out not right away. It took me a couple months before I even realized any of that. I just, I had a friend who introduced me and he was pretty good. He was doing some of the more technical tricks right away. So I got to see that and I'm super competitive, especially with my friends. So to see him doing all that, I was like, I need to get to that level as quickly as possible. Like, right. That is my goal. Right. And, okay. So I remember you telling me that there was a really strange sort of like process that you used in order to learn kendama where you like would focus on one trick for like an extended period of time and then switch to other tricks How yeah for sure i definitely tried to like master a certain thing before moving on to the next like i didn't even bother spiking the kendama for months i only did cups and just insane cup flow intensive on the cups and like ken flips juggles in the cups only messing around with that until i felt really really comfortable with the cups. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to go for the spike. And then when I started doing spikes, it was, came naturally because I was already adept at doing the cups so well. Right. I mean, I'm so fascinated when I think about you being in that state of mind and being so fascinated by this because still to this day, if you want to be into Kendama, you have to like, you know, you very much have to want to do it just for the sake of doing it. It's not like there's like 
a t like you know there are a lot of like how-to videos out there and stuff and there's all these pro edits of different people and stuff but it's not like there's that much stuff sort of like laying it out there for you in comparison to something like skateboarding where it's 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 very like easy for somebody to understand like if you get into skateboarding you learn these tricks eventually you get to the point where you're doing it at this level and if you do get to that level then there's potentially you know money and sponsorships and everything like that awaiting you but like I'm fascinated by you getting into Kendama at that young age and what you could have potentially hope to get from it just because you took it to such an extreme degree without necessarily knowing that there would be anything like really benefiting you at the end of that rainbow aside from just enjoying it and having a good time with it right yeah i think that's why it came so easy and just like the progression came so quickly and naturally it was because i just really wanted it for myself i wanted these tricks for myself and like didn't really matter what was going to happen at the end. Like, I just really wanted to just be able to do all the crazy tricks. Mm. But you were inventing so many of them. Like, from your perspective at that time, were you watching those old videos of Colin? And were you feeling like, this guy's a fucking god? Or were you feeling like, this guy's good, but I think I can do all this shit. And probably a lot more. I mean, I think I sort of noticed, like, maybe after, like, eight or nine months that I was almost getting towards a level where these other pros that I've been watching playing were kind of at. And they had been playing for like two or three years at this time. And I had only obviously put a few months in at this time. So I definitely knew that I wasn't quite normal, I guess. And, right. and yeah, I definitely just wanted to take it to that next level and like show people that it can be more and there's more you can do and it can, all these creative paths, you can take it down. Right. Was there a, who were you playing with at that time and who was uh, motivating you and shit? That time I just, um, actually my good buddy of mine started working for a Kendama company in okay. Denver, super, super randomly. And they were doing a sponsorship contest and I like made a little video for them. It was an edit contest, you know, make a video, enter in, we're gonna pick two winners and they're gonna be our new pros on the team. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I wasn't quite at the level of people who were submitting submissions to the contest uh -huh. but i had also been playing for much less time so they knew that i had the potential to get better and be someone to look at so luckily having the homeboy who was working in there gave me a good word and good in and i was able to wiggle my way in right and yeah pretty much just everything was just kind of all about being in the right place at the right time for me definitely but you were also like you, like you've just shown me so many like old videos of you just going to different kendama contests and stuff like what were the early days of like that of that like from your perspective like where was the idea of a kendama contest or a jam or a meetup was that kind of like brand new to you when you were starting and also what year are we talking when you really started getting going this was 2013 when it was really starting to get big for me and i had just gotten sponsored by kendamaco and we were doing this big road trip. We had a van and we we're gonna drive to all these different cities and do events. And at the very end of the tour, we we're stopping in Seattle at the battle in Seattle, which was like the biggest the one on the contest beach? at the time. Yeah, nice. on the beach. And I was super nervous to go there because I had never experienced a Kendama event like that. I'd never met other pros until like the start of that trip. I had never met anyone else who played Kendama like anywhere near my level right. before. And so to meet those pros for the very first time and go on this trip and like feed off that energy was just insane. Like the amount of progression that happened over those two weeks, uh -huh. like just was so much more than the months I'd been putting in before. Like it just ramped up just being around other Kandama players. And that's one thing that's like insanely consistent with Kandama is that like you can progress like by yourself at whatever rate and you, you'll probably be able to learn a whole bunch of stuff by yourself. But as soon as you put yourself in an environment where you're surrounded by a bunch of people like me playing Kandama with you or with like the people who you came with or like anytime I've ever gone to a contest or whatever, when you're really like standing next to somebody who's insanely good at this and has put in 10 times as many hours as you have and you're seeing the little things that they do, the little motions, like you can't help but learn from that like like the stuff that you and even if they're not like specifically giving you advice or telling you like oh you should try this although there is a lot of that too it's just watching people up close and just it's like you absorb the little things that they're doing in front of you right 
Yeah, for sure. You definitely pick up on other people's style and you just learn so much from being around it and in that environment. But yeah, that's really when it first took off for me. We went to Battle in Seattle. It was super insane. I actually somehow managed to win that event, my first event ever. And then, uh, yeah, Kendama was super stoked. And we were just starting the Kendama World Cup was going down in Japan in 2014. Mm. So they were like, well, you just won Battle in Seattle, one of the biggest Kendama contests ever. We need to send you out to Japan to try and do this next step, mm. which and was the World Cup. But how was, like... You know, it's a very interesting thing that exists in Kendama where you have this toy that is, you know, this traditional Japanese toy that, you know, was, I guess, important to the Japanese culture for children mostly. But then they never really seem to have, like, thought that it was going to become this, like, crazy tool yeah. that people were going to go crazy for and so there's like a very interesting relationship I feel like between the sort of like old school Japanese Kendama players and stuff and now obviously a lot of the best players are from Japan but how how was that meant like did it take a while for the Japanese people to like pick up on it like or did it feel like it was mostly like Americans that were really pushing it at first in terms of the tricks I mean, yeah, being, going out to Japan for the first time, I was definitely, I had no idea what to expect, especially from the Japanese players. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a Japanese toy. They're going to be so good. They're just right. going to be so dialed. Like I had no idea what to expect from the World Cup. And then to actually get out there and see that a lot of them are incredibly and were incredibly dialed, but they had such a narrow scope of the tricks they were doing really? that they were very, like you could tell that these were kind of the tricks that they have known and they've known about them for 20 years and they've only been practicing these specific things and they're really consistent and amazing at them. But when it came to the more, I'd say, Western style of Kendama tricks that was kind of coming from us at that time. What, what's defined as the Western style? Is you, would you put like lunars and lighthouses and all that kind of stuff is all considered Western and mostly like the traditional Japanese style is mostly cups? I'd say the more Western style is just a little more free-flowing mm. form in moving through the motions quicker and at a more fluid pace, mm. opposed to really, like, the Japanese really like to, like, stop when they get it into a position and make sure they know it's there before they're moving on to the next piece, whereas we mm. kind of just more like to flow through the motions. It's more... Trying to make it a little more visually... Would you say the Japanese style kind of, like, prizes consistency and Absolutely. just and, and like consistency simp and simple clean and clean mm. and just doing everything just right and it is pretty funny when you think about it because that when you think about japanese culture that kind of describes them a lot yeah, is that it makes a lot of sense they have like a very like sort of simple communication style and shit but then like meanwhile like everything is very like you know you you, you see like a, a 10 year old kid walking to school and he's like perfectly like his outfit like always looks so clean cut in japan like there's a very yeah. certain style whereas in america you think of people as being like very individualistic and creative but also kind of ridiculous. And I guess that's kind of like the direction that, you know, the American influence on Kendama had. Yeah, absolutely. But there was like a diehard Kendama scene before, you, like for, you said 20 years. So there were people that were really like oh, yeah. into it, but not in the same way that we think of as being into yeah, it. Yeah, there was the Japanese Kendama Association and they've right. kind of been running the show over there. Um, for yeah, long time. Are they years. the ones who do the ratings with the? They do the ratings okay. and the ranking systems, yeah. and you got to land a certain amount of tricks and a certain amount of tries to get the uh. certificate. And yeah, it's very rigid and very formatted. And and are there are they like crazy? But they've been hosting contests for years. But are they crazy? Like if you if you land a bird like this, are they like allowing it? Or do you, does oh, everything crazy. have to be crazy clean? I can't quite remember but i was in a japanese kendama association contest one time right i think it was for the 40th anniversary a couple of years ago and i don't exactly remember what the trick was but it was don't you have to just, like hold the bird for yeah, three it was seconds some tama trick let's just say it was jumping stick or whatever it was i had leaned down and as i went down to do my trick my string just barely graced the ground like that and then I went up and did the trick and landed it perfectly clean and then they were like no we're not going to count this because your string grazed the ground and I was just like whoa this is like <laughs> on another level of strict over here that I don't wow. do not know about do you feel like the Japanese like community has like fully embraced the American sort of influence on the Japanese style for sure right because a lot of the the best Japanese players yeah, you see that sure. they're taking all those tricks and made it their own right yeah nowadays it's completely all together like everyone's just got everyone else's style there's mm. no I'd say western and Japanese style it's all meshed now and 
there's just the most insane stuff coming from the Japanese community. They're just going so wild with it. Right. That was one thing that really blew my mind when I went to Japan with you guys and went to that one contest is that the final was you and Nick Gallagher, right? Yep. Not Zach, Nick. Just I believe make, so. Make sure I'm not fucking this up. Okay. So two Americans and then, and you guys are both, you know, like early teen or like, you know, late teens, early twenties type shit. And then you had two Japanese girls who are like 13 yeah. and they're like you and Nick were, were uh, number one and two. And then these girls were number three and four and they were so unbelievably good. And it's just, it, it just like blew my mind that like th that you guys were all competing on the same level playing field because, you know, you're kind of used to like, there's like, you know, women's tennis and men's tennis. And yeah. there's like, you know, women's basketball and men's basketball. And like, here they are. And they're like, at least five, six, seven years younger than you guys and right up there. Like, you guys are all super close skill-wise. That, that was, like, mind-blowing to me that yeah, this is such a universal thing. Just the girls' Japanese kendama community has gone so crazy. Right. Their technical skills, especially when it comes to, like, stall tricks, is just mind-blowing. Like, they'll blow any of us out of the water any day when it comes to stalls. Like, That's no how you problem. feel, really? Oh, yeah. Like, the, the stall game oh, has yeah. changed that much? They have just so much more dialed than i could ever imagine being like wow i will not be on that level that's crazy how what's the longest time you ever spent out in japan and do you feel like you get a lot out of it from a kendama perspective just being in the home where it came from oh it's incredible being in japan as a kendama player is one of the weirdest experiences ever because like having a kendama here in the states like you know maybe one person on the street's gonna be like hey kendama right but in japan they all every person knows what a kendama is and they're all gonna be like whoa what is this gaijin doing playing kendama like yeah this is the wildest thing ever and they want to interact and like be a part of it and see what you can do and it's just super fun being out there the that was, vibes and energy is just yeah so heightened there was so much of that when i was out there where but part of it was like I was feeling kind of self-conscious like are all these Japanese people gonna look at me like I'm the weirdest motherfucker on earth because I'm the only white guy with mad tattoos out here playing Kanama but like the nature of like the Japanese world is that they mostly will ignore you no matter what you're doing like you could fucking <laughs> cut your arm off in the middle of the street and people aren't gonna really like look at you that crazy because they just they, you know they keep to themselves and shit yeah. but like every now and then I would have some girl just like staring at me like what the fuck like this is so crazy yeah, it's know. it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so you said Kendamaco was your first sponsor. Uh, what happened with with that, and what what did you expect from a sponsor at that time? Basically, I was super hyped on them. You know, they were sending me around the world to play Kendama and do what I loved. So, I mean, I was incredibly hyped and like beyond grateful for everything they were doing for me. They hugely helped me out and just get involved with the community and like everything i've done um but yeah they kind of fell by the wayside or started to fall by the wayside they're actually not around anymore sadly mm. rip kenko yeah um but yeah it moved on it just didn't really work out but at the time like what like you know now it's kind of interesting because you see kendama pros who are like maybe getting a little bit more of like you know like like somebody like you you're really kind of like the prime example of like somebody who could actually be like really living life as a kendama pro and a lot of times people are kind of shocked that that's even like a real thing but at that time i don't know like what did you really like think of someone as being pro as somebody who was making money from it at the time or someone who was just really really good was a pro we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I definitely just thought it was someone who was really good. I didn't even think, I never once thought that it was going to become a job of mine to play Kendama for a living. Right. Like, that was the last thing I ever expected when I picked it up. But just one thing led to the next, and it kind of just ended up working out. And yeah. So now you're on wow. Chrome. How did that, how did that transition from uh, Yeah, so Kenko I'm on Chrome now. Um, uh, I guess it transitioned. So basically some new guy took over at Kenko. We got his new owner that the guys tried to bring in, and I wasn't vibing with him. We were kind of button heads a little bit. He just had different ideas for the brand and what he wanted to do, uh -huh. and I was not about it, so I bounced. 
and sort of at the same time there was this big event going on called NKR uh -huh. it was the National Kandama Retreat and it was the second year running of that and I actually ended up winning both of those and at the second one the owner of Chrome reached out to me and he was like yo I know some stuff is going on over at Kenko I don't know if you're ever thinking about joining a new team but like we can offer you this this and that and I was just like you know honestly at first I was a little hesitant because I had never played Chrome Kandamas. I was uh -huh. only on these Kenko Damas. So I wasn't quite sure. And the Chrome Kandamas, I played a few of them and I wasn't 100% stoked on the shape. But then I remember Chrome telling me like, we have some new shape, we're gonna send you this package. And I got this package like a week later and it had at the very bottom in this plastic bag, like the very first prototype of a sleigh dog. Mm. And it was the very first time Kandama really like got a, the new shape and got a boost, like bigger cups. And like, it was really the first time we'd seen this like big of a jump right. in the Kandama shape. And I was just like, oh my gosh, my mind was blown. I picked this Kandama up and was doing stuff I could never thought I could do with a Kandama. Mm. And I called TK immediately. He's the boss of Chrome. And I was just like, right, I'm in. Like, if we can make this new Slay Dog, like the standard, like, I'm all in with you guys. Let's run it. Let's do this thing. That's interesting because, like, a lot of people probably don't understand that the shape of the Kandama has changed so much over the years. So that, like, you know, something like Lunar, which is, like, with the shape of it now, it's relatively easy to, like, you know, sit in this kind of position. But, like, in the old school Kandamas, these cups are so much fucking smaller that it was, like, even just landing in a Lunar felt so fucking difficult in yeah. comparison. Um, did you feel like there was, like kind of something less raw once you started playing with a Kadama that was really kind of meant for those tricks? Or did you kind of appreciate it back when it was this like insanely Absolutely. difficult thing? Absolutely. I used to be such a snob about like <laughs> using only Azora Kandamas and like your tricks are not legit if you're doing them on these Kandamas. Right. And I had that mindset for a long time, even going into playing on the new shapes, I kind of still had that mindset where I'm like, oh, I'm doing it on this easy Kandama. Like, mm. it's not the same. Yeah. But then it came to a point where, like, we're actually landing tricks that are just really so much more heightened and you can just really take it that much further. And I was kind of being like, okay, this is actually really fun because, like, yeah. there's just a whole new door of tricks that just been opened and a new things we can explore with these different shapes that we couldn't before so. yeah because i remember like in bmx like it's, it's always been like that like it's, if anytime you have something that makes doing a trick easier is like it's usually there's going to be a large percentage of people that kind of reject it on the way in like with us and plastic pegs yeah. That was the biggest one with free coasters, so you don't have to pedal backwards mm -hmm. when you roll backwards. Like when those shits were coming out, so many of us, especially plastic pegs, we looked at it like those are never gonna last. They're they're never gonna work in the long term, and it makes tricks way too easy. So we just aren't gonna count tricks. And then yeah. over time, it just became literally almost everyone uses exactly. them, and you just kind of get used to it. It's like at the end of the day, if you want to do a trick, you might as well use a fucking tool that's suited for it, right? Right, right, right. Definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot. What are the other major like changes? Like from your perspective, there's like the, the strings have gotten longer. The cups have gotten bigger. What, the, I know you're very, very, you were telling me that the bearing makes a yeah, huge difference. Yeah, I'm all about difference. the spinner bearing. That was a huge thing for there's me. There's a when bearing that came right out. inside here, just so you people know that like the string has a bearing inside there so that it can kind of spin forever easily. Yeah, the bearing was a huge help because without that, you spin it and then the string's going to just get tangled up. And for the longer combos, the more the string gets tangled up, the quicker you're going to get destroyed by the string. And just so that was like a huge thing for me. I noticed that one immediately when I put a bearing on for the first time. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can do so much longer, play for so much longer without the string getting in my way. Yeah, definitely. Which is weird for somebody like me where I couldn't have ever known how big of a deal that was for you before you started because i'm pretty sure we've always had bearings since i first started yeah. but i'm also I'm, I'm the dude who ties the string or i tie a knot right here yep so that the string can't come through which am i the only one who does that is that like nah, not very nah, common people do it people do it yeah i'm not about it i could never get behind that but i mean you know so you, you gotta do what you gotta do you, you what you kind of keep your finger right like you sort of tug it you're like you you do a little bit yeah of, when i it only gets popped out for me when I do a certain like few tricks. So mm. I know if I'm doing those few tricks, I have a little trick I can counteract it. Doesn't bother me. Definitely. For me, it bothers me more to like feel that imperfection along the string as I'm doing other tricks. It like freaks me out. What, what has been? Give me some like highlights of like the biggest like trick 
revolutions that have happened in Kendama that somebody like me might not have necessarily realized how revolutionary it was because I sort of came into the game with the a lot of the tricks already being sort of established. Like, what, what were some some groundbreaking ones that changed everything from your mind? I feel like probably like. The whole idea and concept of like instas was a really big changing point for Kendama. That's when stuff really just went from like, okay, you obviously have this controlled, but now you're doing an insta, like it's a whole nother level of control. Right. And that's really when I think starts just started taking off. The flow really of everything started just looking so much crazier yeah. when you could do stuff like that. And that's that's a crazy thing for me when I'm watching the contest and you'll see somebody and if they have a trick to do, they'll just start doing it Insta, even though they don't have to. Like, the, the name of the trick does not say that you have to do it Insta. Yeah. And they're doing it Insta. And then there's other people who are, like, taking all the time in the world, blowing on it, making sure the string's out of the way and shit. I'm like, those are two such different styles of, of doing a trick, even though both count. Yeah, super, super interesting. But, yeah, it's just whatever feels right for you is what you got to go with, you know? Right, definitely. What about, like, all the... the I feel like even throughout my time playing Kendama for like four years or whatever, that seeing the way that the taps and the juggles have, have sort of taken things over. Like, like what, what's your opinion on that? Do you remember when juggling first came out? That wasn't a thing when you first started, I'm assuming? Oh, it was definitely a thing. Oh, I remember, okay. but it was very minimal. Like, no one was doing really multiple juggles. I remember one of the first times I saw... Actually, this player named Sloth do like a six, it was six juggle spike or something in one of his edits, and everyone was going crazy over that trick. Like, that really? was big time stuff back in like 2014, 13. Or right. I think that came out in 13. But yeah, that was mind blowing to see like that many juggles happen and then to also spike it at the end. When I hear you talk about how you started in 2012, 2013, right? Is that yeah. what you said? That makes me feel like I'm not as late as I sometimes feel. Because if I got yeah, into 2016, that wasn't that was still relatively early. I've still got a few years on yeah, my belt. Yeah, I mean, Kendama as a whole is very new. It wasn't even really starting to blow up until like 2008. It was really starting to get its wings and get more exposure. So I mean, it's still a really young and fresh community. There's 2008 is crazy though. Yeah, 2008 is. Crazy. I can't imagine what 2008 must have looked like in terms of like people just trying to. I'm. Learn something. I like wish deeply that I had found Kendama at that time, but I'm so glad I didn't because I probably would not have finished high school. Like, that, that's interesting. Though. So you, I definitely didn't finish college because of Kendama. Like, really? I would like every day dropping out of all my classes just so I could like sit in the quad and play Kendama for like nine hours a day. Like, that's sick. fully addicted. I love somebody who will get that passionate about something that they just allow it to take over their life like have you did you ever have people who were telling you that you were fucking up by putting this much time oh, into absolutely. it absolutely like my parents were not stoked <laughs> they at weren't. all because I, I was going all in like it was right. my everything all day every day kendama and like just missing all my classes like grades deteriorating right and but yeah somehow i ended up working out i mean like there there were times like for me early on where I'd be like putting like, you know, hours and hours and hours into a Kendama trick. But then there would be like, Oh, is this thing in the back of my head? Like, bro, like this is a stupid use of your time. Like, you <laughs> cannot be spending three hours doing this right now. Like this doesn't make any fucking sense. And like, you know, that there would always be that little bit of me that was like holding back from like really playing as much as I wanted to, because it just kind of felt like, Oh, like you have a lot of other things to do. Like this can't be the thing that you're staying up till three in the morning doing, but I like the fact that you never really seemed to have, like, felt that way. You were always, like, fully, fully, like, that's that's one thing that Wyatt Bray said to me, too. He was like, just so you know, like, this is who I am. Like, I play Kendama. I don't care about anything else. And yeah. I was like, that is so sick that you have that <laughs> singular sure. of a focus on it. Yeah, it's it's wild. But, yeah, that's that's just the mentality I had, and I didn't want to put it down for anything and, like, once I, I have that way where like once I start a trick, I'm I can't give up until I've done it. And I'm so strict on myself about that. And like I will just I'll play for hours if I'm on the, even a single trick just to like get it just as I need it for myself. Like But it's interesting because I feel like even when you like if you're just trying a random trick just for yourself for hours and hours, isn't there also a part of it where you feel like you're 
Like, even though, like, like that one trick might not be the thing that matters the most, but it's, like, putting in those hours of training is somehow making you a better overall Kandama player. Like, if you just keep putting in these hours, it's just going to keep making you better and better, even if this individual oh, yeah. trick doesn't matter that much. Absolutely. Any type of grind is going to make you more honed, especially for, like, usually most tricks, they have multiple aspects of the trick so you get really good at that first part of the trick and then maybe you're just chasing that end piece but then you've done that beginning piece so many times over and over you just have it so dialed by then and that's an awesome feeling and in yeah. its own right too to just be like fuck i'm like really really good at that one part of this right. now definitely um in terms of like filming and stuff like how did you uh, get into the grind of like actually filming like what what was that process like because like early on were you not really filming that much or how did you get into that that grind of actually putting together video projects i was pretty into filming i'd say right away when i started thinking i had tricks worthy of people seeing right and i think the first time i really started getting into filming was there was this thing called the british kendama forum which is some super old school like blog that people would hang out and post tricks and they had this like weekly challenge where they would post this list of tricks and you would try to do it. And whoever could do it first would like get sent a free Kendama or something. But was it, uh, Kendama was pretty popular in England early on. I didn't know that. No, nah, I mean, it wasn't, it was so <laughs> niche. People? It yeah. was so niche, but, but that was all we had back then was just this little forum and that's what people knew. And we would just share each other's little tricks on there and it was super wild. But that was the time I started to really get into it was try to like win those contests and, that extra little motivation of like oh i can get a freaking dama maybe if i like do right. this thing were you blasting through kendamas early on because I, I was how like how long does one last you these days how long have you been on that one i can make a kendama last pretty much as long as i want nowadays like really? i don't wear through them like i used to in the early days i would slaughter kendamas like what what changed a couple weeks i think just playing for so long i have a different touch to it and i've just become so gentle with my play style that it doesn't get worn in or broken in quite as aggressively like i'm not smashing or going for these hard hard tricks and like yeah that's pretty much it but th there's certain tricks that i feel like you kind of like really want to do in grass or you want to do it on a rug and that there's like a lot of other tricks that like there's a lot of tricks that if you're doing them on like rough ass cement and stuff you could just really assume that the shelf life of your dom is going to go down yeah, a lot yeah you could definitely destroy your dom especially certain tricks if you want to get it in a certain spot like you'll end up destroying your kendama mm. but just as far as everyday plays goes like my kendama will stay like it'll get to this morning point and then just like stay like this forever interesting how do you feel about the taps a lot of people Love don't taps. a lot of people don't realize that the taps like going like this keeping it in the air it's kind of hard to imagine if you haven't uh seen it i don't know how many like non-kandama players are still with us at this point in the interview but when did the taps <laughs> come in and like how far because i mean I find that like a really interesting thing is that like, you know, there are kids out here doing 20 plus taps in a trick. It's mind blowing. And it's like, that's one way that you can progress. And it feels like that was like almost like a thing that people were like super focused on when I kind of was early getting into Kendama. Yeah. And it feels like that is kind of subdued because it's like people kind of took that stuff to the extreme and then like people just sort of back off from it a little while. Yeah, I feel like Taps was kind of, uh, it kind of came maybe about a year after Instas were like the big thing. Right. Then kind of Taps took over and became the big thing. Everyone was doing Taps. You'd see it from every player working on their triple Taps. And now you see players like Diblex just pushing it to the extreme and doing the 26 Tap, just like you would see Madi with the turntable, just pushing it to that extreme. Mm. Just like with any trick, you can push it to that extreme and just focus really hard on one aspect and just mm. run with it. But do you feel like that's what your calling is, Kendama-wise? Like, do you find yourself wanting to take one specific trick and just ram it through and just do five million different variations of that trick? Because I see you as being sort of more concerned with being like very well-rounded. Like I see you just touching on different things Kendama-wise constantly. Yeah, I'm definitely more about trying to be more well-rounded and you know, I definitely want to be able to do pretty much every style trick, uh -huh. but I don't need to do it 26 tap, like three, four taps is enough for me and then I can move on to the next. Right. 
style of trick. It feels like you're constantly sort of like pulling tricks from like earlier stages in your Kendama career and then just finding the weirdest ways to sort of loop in some some trick you learned three years ago with some new shit that you just learned this week. Yeah, I feel like for me specifically, like Kendama's become more of putting on a show like introducing people to kendama who might not necessarily know what kendama is and those types of people they're not going to know the difference between a five tap and a 26 tap mm. like they want to just see different aspects of kendama and they want to see it in this flowy kind of way so like i feel like in, for introducing more people to kendama as a whole i'm trying to focus more on a broader aspect of kendama and like more showman style mm. type of tricks that i can land within a few tries and like really show people like this is what Kendama is about and you can take it this far but like I'm not gonna make you watch me for two hours until I get this really really hard trick but see that is like a really interesting conversation Kendama wise is like do you want to do tricks that are gonna have a little bit more of mainstream appeal because there's like certain tricks that are so technical that if you just take them in that direction you very much know who you're appealing to because you're just never gonna like tricks that like you would never be able to explain to a person unless they had been playing Kendama for like at least yeah. a year or some shit. There is a lot of stuff like that that you can pursue. And it's like that, that is like a very interesting question to me because, you know, some stuff like, like I realized that very early on being around like Cooper Eddie and Max and them that they would be trying a trick and then all of a sudden like some rapper would show up and I'd be like, oh yeah, this is my Kendama homie. And then they would completely change the trick they were doing because, you know, they realized that if you do a double lighthouse flip and you pull it first try that that might be like way more impressive to somebody than like trying to do a five tap and then fucking up and have to try it a few more times. It's like yeah. that, that, that whole concept of being a showman is kind of, that's like a whole different way of thinking about it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I definitely sit there for hours behind the cam sometimes and like just want to get that grind out and mm. go for the trick. But for the most part, I'm just trying to kind of bring a new, more fun style to Kendama. Has Kendama, from your perspective, has it always had a very big emphasis on bringing people into the community? Because that's one thing I think is really great about Kendama is that, you know, all these years being a bike rider and like seeing how skateboarding is and shit, it's very much like, you know, I'm a skater. I go to the skate park. I don't give a fuck if anybody else is into skating. I don't care. Like yeah. if, if, if some kid asked me how to do a trick, maybe I'll give him some advice or some shit. But that's not really like emphasized in like BMX or skating. Whereas in Kendama, it's like that's the culture is like if some lady walks by on the street and asks me what it is, then I'm going to take five minutes out of my day to stand here and show her how to spike it just because it's like everybody in Kendama seems to take that for granted. They're like, yes, a lot of people don't know about this. But we could change that. We could like just show people until everybody sort of knows, you know? Yeah, I think that just came from having the right people kind of pave that direction mm. in the early stages of Kendama. Right. And just kind of now that's just the standard. Like everyone super open and friendly. And like if I see anyone with a Kendama, it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to run over across the parking lot and be like, yo, Kendama, let's like have a five minute sesh. Like, yes. this is crazy. You got the toy. I got the, let's go. <laughs> like, definitely. No, there's, there's been times where I like, yeah, yeah. Cause like, especially with me, like I got people coming up to me talking about how they're a rapper and stuff. And it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like I fuck with you, but I'm not really trying to hear that much about your mixtape or whatever. But if I see somebody with a Kendama, it's like, we're, we're chilling. We're talking like I'm totally like it's, it's weird. Like it's just it's not big enough that anybody who does it, you feel like you have like an actual connection. Yeah, with them, totally. you know? I feel like because it's in its younger stages that it really feels that way. Mm. Do you feel like when you think about the future of Kendama, do you feel like it could be huge? Do you feel like it could be skateboarding or do you feel like that's part of the appeal is that it's always going to appeal to a smaller percentage of people? Yeah, I don't think it could ever be anything huge like that, but. I definitely think it's going to continue to grow much, much bigger, and we're going to have a lot more people into it. But, I mean, on the level of skateboarding or something like that, I don't see it ever getting that big. Yeah, but it is a weird thing where, okay, like from my perspective, running a store that sold bikes and, you know, we'll probably have a, a store again within the next year or two, but selling bikes and selling kendamas, it's kind of weird because it's like anybody could buy a bike like every, everybody kind of knows how to ride a bike and like almost nobody knows how to play kendama until they get into it but like the the prospect of convincing somebody to spend 30 bucks on a kendama is so much easier than the prospect of expecting somebody to spend 300 bucks on buying a bmx bike in particular because of the fact that 
you know, I can show you how to big cup. I can show you how to spike. It's going to take me like a couple minutes to teach you that. And then like right there, you have like a couple tricks so you can like understand how this is at, at the very least, like a cool party favor thing that you could yeah, like have sure. around the crib, you know? Yeah. I think the best part about Kendama is how quickly you can progress with it. Mm. And you've seen that a lot have like with the new players who have started just within the last three years and mm. are at almost the same level as a lot of the other pros. It's just wild to see that quick of progression. And even for me, I remember when I started like just doing the cups, I remember like after two weeks, I was like proficiently getting around the cups. And I was like, holy cow, like you came this far, like that short amount of time, like mm. every day you can learn five new tricks with it. So the progression is really, really cool. It's weird though, because it feels like there's kind of like a wall between like the super basic tricks. Like you could teach somebody to spike and to big cup, and then everything else after that is like significantly more difficult. Like I've taught so many people to big pup, big cup and to spike it, but like how many people have I really taught to even like lighthouse or like, I remember like I, I taught one of uh, DJ scheme. I taught him to, to do stunt playing mm -hmm. and I was like, bro, that's fucking sick because I always teach people to do big cup and, and, and maybe base cup and like spike, but nobody ever really like takes it to the next level. So that's pretty, or I think he did like a J stick too. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, like I never teach people shit. Like they never get past the first couple tricks usually right, right, unless right. they get like really into it. Yeah. I think that's crazy. I, Usually, like, I took kind of took this path of playing Kadama where I would, like, progress just one little step at a time. And, like, I didn't even do a jumping stick or, like, a whirlwind until like, months after starting Kadama. Like, really? eight months down the line, I maybe did my first whirlwind. Like, uh -huh. I didn't even think. Like, I just knew, like, that is way out of my league. Like, it took me I years to, to do a whirlwind, I have to learn these other 50 tricks before I can even think about that. It took me years to learn a whirlwind, and I still have only ever done one double whirlwind, and I still just, like, I just see it as this thing that's, like, hard enough that I don't really know how to engage with it. Like, I just don't I don't like I, I at one point like early on in Kendama shit I learned like mad stalls and then that just kind of became my thing. It's like okay I'm just gonna do all these variations of stalls. That's and how shit. I started too, all the stalls. Yeah, but then like and, and you know what really sucks too though is that I have like juggles are like right there. Like I've I've practiced it enough that I like know kinda how to do it, but I just haven't like really landed it and stuff. And I know that if I really work at it that I can do it, but it's like when I play Kendama, usually I'm just fucking around doing the stuff I already know how to do, and that's fun. And like, I have to put myself into the not fun zone of trying something over and over and over that I can't do in order to get the juggles. And that's yeah. like, that's like a very different space to be in as a player, right? Yeah, you definitely you gotta want it, especially for those tricks that are outside of your comfort zone. Like, mm -hmm. especially for those, you really gotta push yourself. And do you have anything like that? that's hard enough for you that you just like don't even like to touch it because it's just frustrating pretty much like turntables for me i, I can't go past dubs like really? i can crank out a dub if i'm lucky but if i see it on a trick list in an open i'm gonna be shaking in my boots like not proficient with the turntables at all interesting how, how serious i don't think i've ever done a triple how serious do you take contests and like when they're like for people who don't know there's like two different types of contests there's contests where you're basically just freestyling and then and then you get judged on it and then there's contests where you have to do specific tricks like the person who puts on the contest or the organizers will set it up so you know these are the eight tricks and it's like bonds and some other dude will go back and forth competing dude or woman uh they'll go back and forth competing and but it's based on like a set list of tricks do you care enough about contests that you're really training beforehand i'm not going super training about the contest like i feel like most of these tricks like i've already done what i'm trying to do x amount of times doing it 20 more times isn't really going to make that big of a difference for me mm. um so i just try to get in like the right headspace for me is really what it is about for contests and just like being in in that zone where you're I found when I do better, I'm caring less, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, try to just loosen up and like maybe have a couple drinks and just get in that zone and just kind of let it flow out mm. is when when the best stuff happens. But having won like world championships, like how important was that for you? Like, did that feel like that was justification for all the time and effort you put into, or did it feel like that was cool, but it's not the reason why it did this? I mean, yeah, I definitely didn't feel like the reason I did it. I feel like more 
I got a lot more justification just every day, just playing and just being like, holy cow, I get to do this mm. as a job. Like that's the best thing in the world. It's fully a dream come true. Yeah, definitely. But Much like, more than winning any world championships. But if you were to win again this year, like how how big would that feel? Would that feel like a fucking like huge weight off your shoulders? Like I still got it. Or would it just be kind of like, cause in a way it's like, you know that on any given day you could win. Like, it's not like you're out of the conversation. It's like, there's a bunch of guys who on any, or, you know, a bunch of people who on yeah. any given day could win it. And it's kind of all about who comes and delivers during that time for frame. For sure. For sure. I feel like there's like 30, 40 players. So yeah, exactly. Just like you said, any given day, anyone can take the crown. Mm. Doesn't matter. It's just whoever is in that zone and flowing that day is going to make it happen. Right. So for me, I mean, I don't feel like I have anything to prove at this point, like, Five world championships would be super sick. I'd be <laughs> mad stoked to round it out to a nice number like that. But I mean, I don't have anything to prove at this point. I've, Interesting. I paid my dues. <laughs> one thing I like. Well, okay. How much do you care about style? And like that. Like, there's one thing that people might not know about that in Kendama contests. One of the the criteria for certain contests is basically stage presence using the stage so if you're just sort of standing in place playing kadama then that's you know it's fine but it's not great and if you're moving all around the stage and kind of having more of like a, a flow or like a dancey type thing going on then that will be looked upon by the the judges very positively and you're one person who probably takes that to the extreme where you're just bouncing and moving all over the fucking stage whereas a lot yeah, of people I mean, just can't do that incredibly important i definitely think it's the main part about Kendama and it comes back to that showmanship aspect and like getting the crowd involved and like what the people want to see mm. opposed to what maybe the best Kendama players want to see mm. and just kind of using the strength and like getting the crowd on your side is a huge thing if you can have the crowd on your side then everyone else is going to want to back you as well so I think that's major is having the style and the presence on stage Definitely. Yeah, that's one thing that we have discussed a lot and kind of uh, just thought about it at length is like, it's one thing to make to, you know, do awesome economic clips for your Instagram or to, you know, make a dope YouTube video here and there or whatever. You know, even even the contest stuff. I mean, that's awesome. It's like a really amazing thing for the community to have like that many good players get together and, and, and be going head to head and hanging out, having good times and stuff. But like, that's one thing in Kendama is that a lot of people just don't know about Kendama. They don't know what it is. They never heard the word before. It's like, how do we take Kendama and put it in front of more and more people's eyeballs so that they're not strangers to it, so that it becomes more and more of something that they are familiar with? And that's sometimes something I think a lot about, too, because in BMX, it's kind of like that, where there's BMX videos that are unbelievable, like the greatest riding ever. But because of the way that they're sort of put out and marketed and stuff, it's like realistically nobody's ever going to see those videos outside of our little community. Do you ever think about that with Kendama? Like what the ultimate things that you could do would be to really spread it and get it out there? Oh, for sure. I think about it all the time. And mm. just like what can we do to really just spread it and show as many people as possible mm. all the time? Yeah, I think about it too. What do you think? Like, do, uh, do you have any conclusions or anything that's kind of seems more important that people might not realize? Because it's like the ultimate challenge to sort of like take Kendama and just be able to like make people care about it who don't already care about it. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the ultimate goal as a Kendama player is to be that person who can spread it to as many people as possible. And I feel like it even stems back to the JKA days back in Japan, where even to get some of those higher ranking systems and the Don ranking systems, like you can get up to level six just by your proficiency in Kendama. But if you want to go past level six, seven, eight, nine, you have to have like done different things for the community and like spread Kendama to a certain, like that matters as part of the ranking system. So I feel like it's kind of always been ingrained in the Kendama world. Yeah, that, that has been a crazy thing to realize as I got deeper into the Kadama world is that like when I actually started to learn about uh, Joshua Flowgrove and how he, that's his name, right? Yep. Okay, I just want to make sure. Because as I said it, I was like, is that his actual name or is that like a funny Instagram name? Like including the word flow in there. I mean, his name's not flow, but... Oh, You'd it is happy if you whatever. We're just gonna call him that. Like, <laughs> but I realized like how much work he puts in in terms of like linking 
with the fucking kids at like schools and shit and like really putting on tutorials for them and like really showing them stuff like that's like really dope because that's definitely super super dope that's one way that is just clearly gonna put this shit in front of more and more kids eyeballs you know like that's gotta make a big difference into the schools is a huge huge move to getting said more people into it have you done a lot of demos like going to schools and stuff like i've done a few school demos for sure in idaho i did a couple actually with grove Uh um we've done a few together and yeah it's super super fun the kids are always super stoked to have it and like it just takes over the whole day we come in do a kendama thing to all the classes it's so much fun that's sick i'm trying to think of how they could do like a kendama like tv show that's what we got to figure out yeah for sure. I don't know how much faith I have in somebody being able to pull it off, but I think it's possible. It could be possible. Anything could be possible sooner or later. I don't know. It's kind of hard to imagine like what would have to happen in order for people to really get it. But I do think that that's like in the long run, that's like because, you know, I think about it sometimes like all these like YouTuber kids who are huge and they do different stuff and like you know there's like a lot of like youtuber kids and they skate but like skating is not like the main thing that they mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. but then like their fan base just sort of clamors for like the skate side of their things like that's what we need is we need like some tiktok kid who has 10 million followers to or, like become like we need some some kendama kid to somehow become like the next yeah. tiktok sensation <laughs> exactly. realistically you know that would be the shit that would be the power move for dama it's kind of hard to imagine like, like all these kids are so into watching dancing on TikTok. How do we get them to want to watch somebody play Kendama? Yeah, and I feel like we've seen it before. Like, there's a couple Kendama clips have kind of gotten that yeah. exposure and gotten that clout. But, I mean, to consistently do that is, is something in itself. Because people always will send me the video of the guy catching, like, 30 fucking yeah. doing 30 <laughs> big cups at that's once. That's exactly what I was thinking in my head when I like, brought that up. Yeah, that, that's a crazy one because I've probably had, like, you know, thousands of people send me that clip. And I've seen it with, like, hundreds of thousands of views or millions of views and stuff. And it's kind of like... That's interesting that people are so into this clip of this guy doing this one sort of like freakish stunt. No disrespect to the stunt. It's very, it's very cool that he did 30 big cups at the same time. But how do we like sort of like channel that energy into making people want to see stuff that is a little less freak show-ish? I don't know. I don't know. That's a challenge. Um, how do you feel about the state of the overall Kandama community these days? I know we were having a conversation when we were in Big Bear filming together where you, you know, you seem like you sort of miss the old days to a certain extent where Kandama was like incredibly simple for you and you were just like doing it solely for the purpose of just like being out there, having fun with it. Like, I, I don't feel like you are living like a corporate version of Kendama or whatever, but is it like, what, what has changed over the years that has made it feel a little different? I mean, just like with anything, once you start to become a job, it just gets a slightly different look at it, you know, but yeah. for the most part, it's been pretty much the same. Like I just love getting out there and session and doing, doing it. Yeah. I mean, even over the last couple of years, there's been so many people that have popped up or like, came up in the Kandama world that you could if you care about Kandama you'd be able to look at a whole bunch of different people and say like wow like that person is new they're fucking killing it and they came out of nowhere like I didn't know who this person was six months ago or two years ago or whatever and they're unbelievable and that that makes me feel very very good about it because there have been periods where BMX where I've kind of been like I don't feel like I've seen somebody like really come out and blow up that much in a while. And like there, there are people for sure, but sometimes it feels like the, the pace of like how often you see somebody that you're really shocked by kind of slows down a little. And that makes you feel like maybe this thing is not in super good health. I feel like in Kandama, I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm still like constantly finding people that I'm really shocked at how good they are and how dedicated they are. Absolutely. I just, comes to that grind and if you want to do it you can get good mm. you will be good if you put in the hours and it's just crazy to see what people can do even after like just a couple months like and then to think back how what you were doing after those few months and it was nowhere near the same it's just mind-blowing yeah. especially with the younger generation like these kids are just taking everything that we've been doing they see it and they're just running with it and just putting a whole new spin on it it's so cool do you ever look at those like 
you know, 14 year old kids out there that have 10 hours a day to practice and you ever feel like your spot might be in jeopardy, like, fuck, maybe my skill set isn't going to hold up forever. I mean, competition wise, absolutely. For sure. I mean, I already feel that way. Like it's really getting a lot harder to win these competitions. Like the younger generation is getting so, so good and they're not going to let us like they're not going to just let you keep getting these trophies forever. Too much longer. Like maybe one more if I'm lucky, but it's not going to happen. But do you, much longer. do you stress that at all? Is there a part of you that's like, fuck, like I got to I gotta make sure I stay on top of all these new tricks because I don't want to like just get left by the wayside. I might definitely want to stay on top of the tricks and like be that Kanama person, but I don't need to take it to the full extreme that some of these kids are. And I feel like we still need people in the community who are going to be those OG players who understand the entire history of Kandama and can mm. kind of share that with with the younger generation who's getting into it so they can kind of understand like what's happened where it's come from what's going down do you feel like like if you ever thought about like a Kandama documentary like not not about like a specific player or a specific team or whatever but more like the entirety of it because that would be such an amazing It'd be experience. so amazing. Even if it was just some kid in his basement who like wrote out a big ass history of Kandama oh, sure. and, and like used video clips and stuff and just made like a fire like hour long YouTube video. Yeah, if it was done properly, it would be so awesome to watch. I've definitely thought yeah. about this many, many times. Like just because like got the right person to make yeah. that, it'd be super cool. And I mean, especially just from you showing me all these old videos that have like 10,000 views, but they're like, they were super influential to you early mm-hmm. on in your life and that was just sort of making me realize like fuck like i hope gendama like has people like archiving all this shit properly to the point where like all these little influences don't sort of just end up left behind like at some point the history of this shit is important enough that it has to be like chronicled and archived properly don't you think absolutely and i feel like the biggest example of that is this kind of documentary style edit that came out it was called where we are okay and it was mostly just a like squad video of like this whole group of people from uh wenatchee that came together and just slayed for the love of kendama and it was like this 30 minute edit and it's so so influential for i know myself and lots of other was it the one you were showing me that was like a school project yeah 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 that's what I thought was so cool about it is I'm like, this is awesome, but this is also clearly made by like kids doing like a senior high school project. Yeah, and it was it's just super cool. It was hugely influential on like everyone in the Kendama game. And then now it's just super funny and interesting to see like these new kids get into it who've been playing for two or three years and are just incredibly talented. And then mm. you'll be like, hey, you seen where we are? And they're like, what's that? Yeah. And you're like, what? how do you not know? Like, that was everything for me. How do you not that's, know what that is? That's one thing I would encourage with the young kids and shit too, though, is Instagram's amazing. Love Instagram, but don't let Instagram stop you from working on bigger video projects and shit. Because if you, even if it's just like you and your five friends are like all pretty good at Kandama and you want to make like a like dope ten minute video or whatever, I mean, a lot of those like your your Kandama clips from four years ago. Yeah, no like, one's gonna scroll through yeah. your page to go find a trick from three years ago. That's just not gonna happen. But yeah. people will definitely look up an edit from five years ago easily. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like a that's big part. That's what's going to live on. That's what I want to really do, like, this year in particular. Like, we, we started to get going a little bit this year, but, like, the COVID thing really kind of slowed us up. But we just want to make, like, really dope video content to, like, you know, potentially help show more people, like, how cool Kandama is, you know? Because I think a lot of the YouTube stuff, like, if you can make, like, a really dope, like, skate-style edit or whatever, or a skate-style full-length video, like, if there's a version of, like, the Baker videos, but for Kandama... I mean, that shit is going to be going down Ideally. in history. Like, yeah. Kendama kids are not going to forget that. That's going to really help, like, stamp a whole generation. Yeah, 100%. We need that. Totally. Um, okay, so one... Oh, yeah, one other question I wanted to ask you. Because I have seen you getting a little loose at contests. Like, you know, definitely I saw you, like, running around with a bunch of girls in bikinis at, at uh, the last contest that I went to. And that was, like, a kind of moment where I was like... Bond, like Kandama is kind of weird because it's like it is so many little ass kids who are into it and then there's also like grown ass men who are into it like does that kind of ever like do you, do you think that that's even worth considering it can be kind of weird because you do have like really young kids in Kandama who maybe are like in, like they, they're they're gonna be offended by like 
stuff that seems pretty minimal to us as grown adults who go out and drink and smoke and whatever. Uh, how do you feel about that sort of nexus within Kandama where there's like so many small ass kids as well as adults? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely always going to be two sides to the coin, but at the end of the day, I just kind of see it as I kind of look at it similar to like skating or BMX, like, or like an X Games types event. Like, yeah, we all, all there's going to be a bunch of kids going there to watch it. But at the end of the day, like, are the kids going to be partying with the pro, pro skaters? Like, no. Right. No. Yeah, definitely. That's why I got to have like a bar that the adults can go to afterwards or whatever. Yeah, I guess uh, I used to get so much shit for that at BMX because it's like we would just have people smoking weed in the videos and stuff and people would be like, oh, my God, like, you know, BMX, like, you know, there's, there's 13 year old kids watching this and shit. And it's kind of like, yeah, I guess. But like we're all in our 20s and like this is not a big deal to us. Like, are we going to just fucking sugarcoat everything that we're going to do for our entire lives just to. I don't know. Like, and I, I realized that we've been a part of this, too, because I remember somebody telling me that there was a, a clip of a certain Kandama pro hitting a Kandama blunt and that that was a big thing yeah. in the Kandama world. Like, we didn't realize it, but to the Kandama world, that was definitely a thing where it's like, oh, like, this is like, like I guess, like, Kandama kids might not have all known that their favorite top pros smoked weed. Not all of them, but, you know, some percentage of them smoke weed. And that was, like, kind of, I was like, oh, so we were a part of, like, a sort of milestone there, and we didn't even know it. Yeah, super interesting. I mean... I feel like early Dama days, it was very, Kendama was very marketed, especially to children. Mm. And with a lot of the bigger brands that were bigger in the beginning, like that was definitely their business model. Like we're selling to children, let's keep this super PG. Mm. And then I feel like when I kind of started, I kind of wanted to push Kendama away from that. And because, you know, that's not how I see Kendama. That's not what I think is fun about Kendama. I, for me, playing Kandama with my homies and like fucking around and just having a good time, like that's what it's all about for me. Right. And I wanted to push that side of it more. So I've kind of, I mean, sometimes I definitely feel myself sugarcoating a little bit for the kids, but at the end of the day, I want to be a little bit more edgy and like, cause yeah. it is dope to do all these things and do it with our friends and like, yeah. I'm not going to not not do those things. Yeah, and I mean, end of the day, it's like you're a grown ass man and you're spending your whole fucking life doing this one thing. It's like, the the documentation or the the videos surrounding it and stuff it's like you know you, you don't want to like completely sugarcoat this shit when it means so much to you and it's your whole life playing kendama and like the idea that you would sort of like completely like marketed uh, some fucking disneyland shit is just kind of unrealistic i think at a yeah, certain point absolutely definitely so um okay what do you got planned for the next year where do you have planned for kendama in general uh what do you want to see changed in this world uh, next year is gonna be a big year. I'm actually gonna be starting a studio of my own. I'm gonna be start filming a bunch of Kendama for Chrome, actually. So I'm super, super excited about that. Thank you, Chrome. You guys are the best sponsor ever. I love you. Um, but yeah, they're hooking me up and giving me a budget to do a super awesome studio. So I'm gonna be filming just crazy amounts of content this year. And that's my goal is to just get a bunch of content out there. Um, make a bunch of tutorials so people can learn, get into it, have a base to start and kind of a path to follow as mm. far as progressing goes. Um, but yeah, I just want to see Kendama continue to blow up and get great exposure and see the right people get into it for the no, right, right reasons. The studio sounds like a great idea, especially because uh, it gets pretty fucking cold out there, right? Yeah, it gets chilly, but I mean, we have by like, LA standards, it gets fucking cold. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> you guys are weird out here. But uh, okay, but from your perspective, though, like what goes into a perfect Kendama studio? Like the the lighting, uh, you know, that's a yeah, big I deal. Mean, the lighting's got to be on point. One hundred percent, lighting is everything. Rubber floor. Yeah, definitely. I I really enjoy playing on a squish, squishy floor with like a little bit of give. Mm. Makes feels really good to me when I'm playing. Doesn't wear your legs out as much, maybe. Maybe. But it doesn't damage the Kandama when you yeah, drop it Yeah, it doesn't damage the Dama when you drop it. You can kind of play off the floor, balance, add. It's a whole new style of Kandama you can work with there, which is super fun. Lighting, though, there's like... Because I've seen you absolutely shredding the fuck out of tricks in like dimly lit rooms and dark-ass nightclubs and shit, and you weren't having any problems, which to me was kind of shocking because I notice a huge... Like, I can't do shit when it's dark, 
And like some of the best contaminant sessions of my entire life have been like on the beach where it's incredibly bright. And I realized like, holy shit, the light is everything. Yeah. I mean, for top tier play, like if I'm trying to go do my best trick, I need it to be premier lighting. Like everything's got to be perfect. Right. But I've just gotten like the showmanship type tricks. I've just got them so muscle memory dialed in that it can happen anywhere. It doesn't matter at this point. I remember me and you were in the club in Chicago. Um for the Lyrical Lemonade Fest, right? Yeah. And you were just wilding out playing Kadama in the club. How would you describe that? Is that is that you sort of feeling like awkward as a person who's in a nightclub? So you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to play Kadama? Or is that you like, I'm going to spread this fucking Kadama to people by all means, even if they're in the nightclub and they think they're just out here getting drunk? I mean, for me, it's just like, I just feel the music and I feel the vibe and I just like start wanting to sesh. Like, music is a huge thing with Kendama for me. Like, mm. if, if the right song comes on or the right like beat, like, it's all like very, playing Kendama can be very rhythmic. You can do it to the beat. Mm. And I feel like that's a huge part for me, like, getting in the zone is like playing to music and to a beat is mm. really, really fun. I respect that. I've, I play Kendama a lot of times while I'm listening to podcasts. And then the one weird, unfortunate thing that happens is that my brain, while, like, if I start to, like, almost pull a trick, my brain starts thinking, okay, if you pull this one, the background of the clip is going to have this guy talking about this. And, like, if it's weird, like, you know, and my brain starts thinking, like, oh, my God, like, if you pull this right now and you've got Joe Rogan <laughs> talking about drinking, you know, elk blood or whatever the <laughs> fuck he's talking about that's going to be kind of interesting i don't know it's always like my brain over processes that i think music is good well probably my brain would be thinking about what the music was saying about the condemned trick as well yeah i mean i don't think twice about it if if i like the song or whatever it be i'm gonna just keep it in the background i don't really care what other people yeah. think you know if you're gonna let it ruin your day that someone likes a certain song like that's on you yeah no definitely <laughs> yeah yeah i don't like obviously i'm not worried about like it being offensive or anything it's more like just you know whatever the podcaster is talking about or like you know i've had weird ones too where i was like i pull a trick and in the background i got like i'm listening to a podcast and they just start talking about like you know nazis or some shit and i'm thinking in my head like I really hope that if people are watching this podcast that they don't think that I'm listening to like a, a podcast that's like pro-Nazi or something just because they were talking about it during that part or whatever. But, you know, that's that's just me overthinking everything. Yeah, I feel like you got to overthink things when you're at your level and you have as many eyes on you as you do, you know? Yeah, there might be some truth to that. Fuck them, though. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay. Everything's going good. Oh, yeah, and we do have... The Bonds No Jumper Kendama collab hey. is in stores. Oh, here's hey. mine too. I was playing with this one earlier, but we, we definitely have these out there. And we will have a link in the description to the video that we did where we went to Big Bear and I chased Bonds around in the woods with a gun. If that sounds crazy to you, that's because it is, and you should definitely go watch it. It was hella sketch. It was Actually, very sketch. I shot at him. Real sketch. No cap. Um, anybody want to thank? Anything you want to say in particular? I guess just, you know, thank you to the sponsors, Chrome Kendama. You guys are the best. I love you for everything you've done. Um, go check them out. They're the best. Kendama's in the game. Is it acceptable to say Chrome or Chrome? or is I say both, Chrome or Chrome. I'm okay. not particular, you know. It is Chrome, technically, okay. but I'm not a stickler. Definitely. I feel it. Uh, shout out to Bonds. Shout out to the whole Kendama community. Best community in the world. Yeah, best community in the world. From my Much perspective, everyone. about as positive as a community could get, about as uh, welcoming as it gets. If you if you think that there's anything wrong with Kendama or that it's not a welcoming community, I encourage you to get out there a little bit and uh, see how shitty and toxic a lot of people are in other parts <laughs> of the world, uh, other other communities. Uh, Kendama is is just about as good as it gets, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys uh, have never played Kendama and you're thinking about getting into it, like get in, grab a Kendama, buy one, get into it, hit us up online. We're always down. Spread the Kendama love. Get in here. We want to see your tricks. We want to see everyone's tricks. We want to see your tricks. Do a lighthouse for us. Appreciate it. No Jumper, Bonds, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah. Boom. Whirlwind on the way out. Nojumper.com if you want to support or pick up one of these. Shout out to Crom. Shout out to Bonds, the sponsors. RIP Juice World. Appreciate y'all.